<laughs> you know, it's, not, it's not beer reviewed, but I love you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, and I don't want to, you know, and you can't tell somebody they're feeling, and, and the world is so messed up that to feel there is a they, there is something wrong out there, and we're not getting all the information, and we're out of control, and things are, because things are psycho and weird and messed up right now. Yeah. That's, you know, I'm here on Dystopia tonight to tell you that the world <laughs> has issues. Dystopia tonight. Good, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. Great. Uh, yeah, it's a lovely day. I sneeze when uh, I, the, I, I have that thing. I used to know the word for it, but it's like the uh, when the sun makes you sneeze. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah. bright days, I walk out and I have these, like, insane really? sneezing fits. Yeah. And <laughs> once really... again, everybody looks. I did one today at the dog park and everybody looked at me sideways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it never fails, man. It's always it's it's the, it's always at the most inopportune time. I could go the entire day without sneezing, coughing and whatever. I have to be in a public situation. I'm like, I can't breathe. I need to make all these involuntary sounds. And I know everyone's just going to turn around and be like this mm -hmm. fucking guy. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's the two old ladies with their Pomeranian. And their yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, what was it? Uh, you were doing a 2020 tour, right? With um, Bare Naked Ladies. I should just end it there and be like, explain yourself. Uh, Bare Naked Ladies. Um, um, and um, Gin Blossoms. Gin Blossoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then was it before COVID? Hit? Like, what did you get to go out and do it? It was before COVID. We didn't. We're doing it this summer. They called nice. it the last what's last summer on Earth. Wow. Uh, <laughs> which ended up being uh, more, yeah, more foreshadowing. Uh, yeah, foreshadowing. <laughs> and so it was uh, delayed twice. And this summer, it's it's. Uh, it, uh, I mean, we'll see. Unless we're a nuclear wasteland, uh, it, it will happen this summer. Yeah, so. where my friends and I are super excited. There's been this like in like just rush of uh 90s nostalgia i don't know if you guys feel the same way too but like we're all of a sudden like all that stuff is coming back full force which makes me excited me and my friends excited because that's our like age group yes uh, well we we're of course enjoying it just because you know just every every set of years we get a little bump again yeah you know? so it's I, I feel like musical careers, they're basically they're not airplanes, they're gliders. They're like hang gliders. So they're, you're always technically falling, but every once in a while you get a thermal. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> That's pretty we're great. In a thermal state right now. Yeah. Do you guys how does that something like that come together? I'm like, did you all know each other from back in the day? Do you all kind of have like the same agent and that's who gets you together? Like, or are you guys like we miss each other? Let's go on tour. No, we've been hoping. I mean, bare naked ladies are if you haven't seen them live, they're an incredible live band. Yeah. And they're um they're one of the bands from the era close to in our our group that uh we've never toured with but they also oh. they they still pull like a really great audience and yeah. uh uh so you know thermals but they <laughs> <laughs> they uh just for years i think it had been kind of you know we've been hoping to get a tour with them at some point it just kind of finally came through so nice. um 
Yeah, we've been really happy with it. And we early, early on, uh, Gin Blossoms toured, I, I think, one of their first national tours when the New Miserable Experience came out. They, oh, nice. They were opening for us. So we've known those guys for a really long time. Oh, that's awesome. So that's cool because you guys all get to hang out as friends and stuff and go back out during the worst time in everyone's lives. There you go. I mean, it, it's not that bad, though. I mean, you know, and, and actually just got to meet, um, I'd never met anyone except uh, uh, for Stephen Page, who's no longer in, in Bare Naked Ladies. I did right. a tour uh, in Canada with him. And so actually, sorry, it was with a Canadian ensemble, but it was mostly in the States. In any okay. event, uh, <laughs> it was at like a, a string it was called the art of time uh and they're um like a eight to ten piece string outfit and they were doing these uh, uh sergeant peppers arrangements oh and nice so there were four singers and we got to sing all these sergeant peppers song with these kind of amazing orchestral arrangements it was so fun oh that's fucking um, awesome but i'd never met the rest of the guys in uh in bare naked ladies before so we got to meet them actually I just played a show recently, got to meet them all. And so I'm really looking forward to it. That's really cool. First time I saw them was uh, right before the pandemic. I went to see Hootie and the Blowfish mm -hmm. at um, MSG and Bare Naked Ladies opened. And they had this hilarious story about um, NSYNC. And I, I... do you know this one? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> it's really, it's actually, it's so basically they were doing like this, uh, christmas festival thing or something like that and they were the headliners like everybody gets to do it at msg they were talking about last time they were there and nsync was like the new band and so when they were like kids they were coming up to them and they were like oh my god you know we're really excited to you know over for you guys like blah, blah, blah. like you know couldn't wait or whatever and then uh the, the that year passed and like a couple years went by and nsync had blown up it's justin timberlake and all this stuff so then they went to the same festival same christmas thing and it was reversed and so NSYNC was headlining, Bare Naked Ladies was there or whatever. And then Bare Naked Ladies gets off stage and they said that Justin was just in the back and he just went, solid guys, solid. <laughs> and he was like, dude, come on, you know, like, <laughs> what are you doing right now? And then throughout the rest of the set, he just kept, every time they did a song, you just look at everybody and go, solid, solid, solid guys. It was pretty great. Uh, thank you for telling me that. I'm going to use that while we're out. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so glad. It'll be that great. makes me so happy. The last, um, the, the best suggestion Ed had during, we, we just actually, I met them at Hootie Fest uh, mm. in, in Cancun. And uh, nice. during their set, they were talking about, you know, freedom of speech, COVID misinformation. And they were kind of saying that anything that's a conspiracy theory, QAnon related, deliberate misinformation, you should have the right to say it, but there should be, a, it should automatically appear in Comic Sans font. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's genius. Just <laughs> you wouldn't need to do much else. Yeah, exactly. Everybody hates yeah. it. And nobody takes it seriously. That's yeah. we've been talking to a lot of people about that on here. Do you have any? I mean, it, it was kind of like a line drawn in the sand sort of thing, but it felt like it was basically just common sense. Like, you know, uh, Neil Young and all those artists pulling out of Spotify and stuff. Did you have any like feeling either way about it? Um, I mean, Spotify is evil for so many other reasons. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's like starting there. Like, eh, whichever right. uh you know it um yeah the the deliberate misinformation i don't know exactly how you go about it i, I mean these are uh you know it, it's i don't know the answers it bothers yeah. me and a lot of people i love i have had to fight um in the last few years one of the hardest thing for me has been 
um, walking around angry all the time and yeah. finding myself thinking in a binary way. And that even if I know people are wrong, like I, I just saw friends of mine, their parents are total Trumpies. They are two of the sweetest people I have ever met. And I think mm -hmm. they are wrong about just about everything. Right. And I absolutely adore them. And and in my own Santa Barbara bubble, it's it's very self-reinforcing, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe not yeah. my yoga bubble. My yoga bubble is, is, <laughs> is more, um, you know, uh, but, but the... And so it's been easy for me to be in a bubble and not have to kind of, I don't know, re redevelop the ability to speak in a civil and respectful way with people I deeply disagree with. Yeah. And I don't have a huge, I, I can't have a huge issue about the people who are listening to, you know, Robert Malone and not doing their fact checking and going like, yeah, he was one of a thousand different scientists who had patents of MRA. Right. His was for stuff that didn't work. And, you know, you gotta, you know, I feel not, I don't trust anybody who uh, overinflates themselves. You know, he's the kind of guy who will not say like, well, I was talking to a doctor for Ch from Chile, uh, you know, worked in the National Health Department. We, you know, earn it, you know, say a name, say who they work for. He'll just, Chile called me to ask about how to implement their their COVID protocols, and they didn't right. listen to me. But if they had, it would have saved you know nine million lives. It's it's one of those things of like the self aggrandizement and and also the um, like the bitterness and this yeah. feeling that he he's a genius who never got his due. And so like I, these are all to me like big major red flags. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and Rogan's. Uh, Rogan's breathless listening to every conspiracy theory and doubling down <laughs> on it, and it's all the giant they really, really bugs me. Um, yeah, me too. I get angry with him because he has such a huge platform and I feel he uses it very poorly. I can't have the same feelings for those who listen to him and take it at face value. I like, I wish they would vet more, right? Uh, but, uh, he is at this point a news outlet and people are used to believing what they hear on the internet. And so um, I, I put the responsibility with Rogan. Yeah. Uh, and if you have that many people listening to you, I don't know. I, I, it, uh, it's, it's, it makes me sad. I yeah, no, I, I, completely, <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely agree. I mean, it, it is one of those things that's hard to kind of reconcile, especially when you're talking about it with other people who either, cause you have the kind of feeling that like, yeah, okay. If Rogan wasn't around, they'd probably still get it from somewhere. You know what I mean? Misinformation is readily available. So you're like, that's yeah. a, that's a problem. But the fact of the matter is that Rogan has, I mean, 11 million views per episode and then two a week, you know, times how many does a month? That's like 90 million. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a yeah. vast, vast audience to have, and, to have that much responsibility. Absolutely. And and the misinformation, I think, fits um, a, a lot of narratives that are, you know, sometimes even narratives that I'm, I'm, uh, you know, uh, how can I say, sympathetic to, you mm -hmm. know, when people are talking about, you know, like, Gaia theory and the earth being one big thing and then you know right. this idea and I'm like yeah I'm totally down with that but yeah. I also think viruses are real my parents were science you know scientists yeah, yeah. and you to to say germ theory doesn't exist is uh shocking to me it's right like that's what I was going to say for flat. you it's got to be even doubly you know, like hard to for, to process that kind of cognitive dissonance coming from you know the family you you're in you know but I also 
you know, am willing to, to go into like, yes, this, this planet is a giant living God. We are one organism, sure. all DNA. You know, even if yeah. you go back to the mitochondrial event, right? All fungus, right. all plants, like they share a common mitochondrial. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's mystical yeah. even, but it doesn't mean that germ theory doesn't exist. Exactly. Or and there's the stuff germs that... don't exist. Or yeah. doesn't exist. <laughs> it's, it's weird because it's like, it's funny because you can get these, you can, you can find common ground with people like that too. And it's just all in the framing of it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's one thing where like people who listen to Rogan are like, what do you don't like free speech or open conversation or, th you know, uh, discord. And it's like, no, I love all of that stuff. I just think the framing of it is very, very dangerous and weird. And it's never just like, Hey, you know, we're just trying to figure this stuff out. It, it comes across as it's one of those things. If you have somebody on who says something kind of batshit crazy, right. And they're your guest and you're trying to be polite and you kind of go with it. It's another thing if every episode afterward you reinforce that batshit crazy theory instead yeah. of going like, let me course correct it. Let me we had some people fact check it or, you know, we we looked into it the next episode. It just seems to build. And, and then it the gets fact out of hand. checking is good. And unfortunately, the fact checkers are really dry people who aren't who aren't selling a big narrative. They're just going, well, I read all the papers and this was a preprint <laughs> and it was pulled back as a preprint. You know, the ivermectin study in Brazil. Yeah. Yes, there was a preprint. The preprint was pulled back because it was a bad study. It's right, like right, right. peer review. And, and, and the people talking about that, they're just not exciting. No. And yeah. it's more exciting to think of there's mass formation psychosis and everybody who thinks yeah. one thing is they're all crazy and we're the smart people who have that. Yeah. And, and I, I get the appeal to all of this and I get, uh, you know, there, there's, I don't know, it, 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 the whole thing makes me really sad and uh and once again and it, it and i have kept my dear friendships with people i really love who are on what i consider to be some of the wrong sides of some of this mm -hmm. and they're fucking smart people and they're yeah. wonderful good kind people and so um and you know hopefully in this next year with omicron with you know we'll get to the other side of this where it's not the only subject and i don't want to you know i don't want to like shame or piss i like i know my friends once again they are smart good people and mm -hmm. and i'm one of the only you know weird people on what they see as the overcautious that they oh, can yeah, talk yeah. to about it and have a conversation where we don't start yelling at each other right and we agree to disagree and it's clear we still love each other and i want to be that guy Who's not, I'm not going to, I'm going to listen respectfully. If they send me stuff, I'm going to read the papers they go. And then I'll come back and go, yeah, that was a preprint. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's not peer reviewed, but I love you. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, and I don't want to, you know, and you can't tell somebody they're feeling. And, and the world is so messed up that to feel there is a they, there is something wrong out there. And we're not getting all the information and we're out of control and things are because things are psycho and weird and messed up right now. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm here on Dystopia tonight to tell you that the world <laughs> has issues. But and so and so to to respect the people I love for where they've come to and even try to respect, you know, a, a lot of their reasoning and where they got there. And I also have friends who lost their faith in the medical establishment at great personal cost, like at yeah. horrendous, the worst costs you can imagine of losing right. people they loved. And I can see, I, I don't understand sometimes why they've placed their trust 
in the place in the, where they put their trust mm -hmm. seems to me to be casual compared to how hard it was for them to lose their trust. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But, Great way to but, put it too. But I really understand why they lost their trust. And yeah. that, that I can't argue with because, um, yeah, so it's messy. <laughs> no, it, to it totally is. And it, I, I mean, I think everybody can sympathize with that, too, because we all have people on different sides of the aisle, whether they're your family. The, the weird thing to me is, and it took me a little bit to understand this, too, but because of social media sometimes and the way we um, kind of interact with either celebrities or politicians, you know, we have almost immediate easy access. We kind of see everybody as having a quote unquote platform. But the weirdest thing is when you're arguing with a relative who's like 75 on Facebook, you're like, they don't have a platform. They're just on your they're just they're just poking you on Facebook and, and having really bizarre opinions. But you don't have to treat them like they are running for office. And that's a really hard thing, I think, for people to kind of wrap their well, head around and not getting caught up in the arguments. I mean, I've had talks. My brother. God, he's smart. He, and he, he'll get in, you know, with people doing a conspiracy and he will just. Yeah get all the research, get all the facts, do this. He will, he will get really involved in these big internet arguments and it just wears him out and breaks his heart. And, mm -hmm. and like have had this conversation with him a few times. It's like, it's, this is war games, Dan. The only way to win is not to play. <laughs> like, yep. I had to learn that too. Up, yeah. Don't pick up the bait. You will ne debate. you like, you will never ever win an argument on Facebook yeah. with anybody. And no. I don't do, I mean, my relationship with, social media now is like i have a show coming up and i will put that i have a show coming up i do live streams and if i'm on the road and i see something like an amusingly misspelled sign i'll take a picture of it and <laughs> put that on instagram and i you know you know very consciously like my personal life my dog signed a waiver and so my dog will show up in live casts and stuff and, and it's like totally cool <laughs> Nobody else in my personal life, unless they really want to, is ever going to be exposed in that way. And, yeah. and, you know, I'm maintaining their privacy for their. So, yeah, I anyway, I a, social media is awful. It's totally awful. And <laughs> it's agree. and it's I've been doing stand up for 16 years. So you're pre-programmed when you get in there to get everything out there. Like, I wish I had just done the I have a show. Come see it instead of like joke opinion. You know what I mean? Because then everybody kind of piles on. But I did take a picture of a weird sign the other day. I got to send this to you. It's a Dairy Queen's like clearly it was old and somebody had mm -hmm. scraped it off, but it just said Dairy Queen nuts may come in contact with your product. <laughs> Please be aware. <laughs> I, I, I cry laughed. I think for like five minutes straight. I just I took a photo of it. I got it. I haven't posted it yet, but it, it was beautiful. That is fantastic. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm a 12 year old boy. That and so hilarious. wait, are you a comedian then who does? I'm assuming you uh, is there a comedian in the world who doesn't tweet? there probably should be but uh yeah no, I, I tweet i post on social media uh instagram is where i post a lot which is so kind yeah. of what a weird thing like i was heavy into tweeting when it started you know you got a lot of crap out of tweeting because you can you literally when i when twitter started i got writing gigs out of tweeting you know what i mean so it was like a, a thing you had to do and then you know twitter's like the way it is now but instagram seems somewhat safer but all i do is screenshot stuff I say on Twitter and then post it to Instagram and then get hate that way or, you know, or get, or depending on what it is. I had a guy who, um, this is the first time I've ever really done it and it worked. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to keep doing this. And it blew up in my face. But I had a guy who was like, uh, hating on me for some political thing over COVID, whatever it was, but it was like a weird, like, not just like, you know, that one post, he started like randomly commenting on a bunch of stuff. 
And I was like, you know what? I'm going to have, I'm going to do what no one else does. I'm going to have a conversation. So I like DM'd him and I was like, Hey man, how you doing? Are you okay? What's going on? And surprisingly he was like, no, I'm not okay. Actually. <laughs> and then like, he started mm -hmm. to talk to me and we had this great long conversation. He was like, dude, like, thank you so much. Like, you know, I, I, I don't have no idea why I was doing what I was doing. I was like, dude, it's fucking weird times, man. Everyone's stressed. And then I was like, that was really great. I'm going to keep doing that. And then something happened like that again. And I was like, I'm going to DM this guy. And that person was legitimately a psycho. And I never did it again. <laughs> I like, I pulled back from that so quick. Like, I'm just going to say that was a one-off and uh, leave it at that. It's great when it works. Uh, it's yeah. great when it works. I, I, I've had some experiences. I was reaching out. I got to a point uh, during lockdown where I, you know, I described it before, but I was like, you know, my, my partner, you know, we're walking into a store and this, you know, lady looked like probably late 60s or something. You know, she had a, a mask on and, mm -hmm. you know, looked at us with these like beatific smiling eyes, but she had a Trump mask. And I suddenly was like, oh, I want to say something. And I felt I was like, oh, my God, I am exactly what I hate. I am a judgy prick and i don't want to be a judgy <laughs> prick like right and so started trying to like reach out and and talk to people and just try to figure out like okay how do i how do i break this us and them and i i you know put out it's like hey if there's any conservative because i lost half of my audience by speaking my mind like at sure. least half my audience i i um was pretty vocal during black lives matter i was pretty you know Same. it's like I mean, frankly, even today, you know, we reposted the band. It's, you know, we have a social media person is like, should we do anything this week? It's like, no, we shouldn't do anything. And then I said, I saw the Sting version of, you know, uh, Russians. And I was like, yeah, oh, God, I like cried listening to it. And I'm like, oh, we should post that. And immediately there's somebody Putin is protecting himself from NATO aggression. And it's like, oh, right. my God, people are carrying water for Putin. I forgot that people. Yeah. Like. like you can't say anything. And there weren't a whole lot of comments, but the biggest, right. longest comment. And then with, you know, it's probably going to turn into a shit storm in the comments below as it does. It's, you know, it's like, we can't have nice things. I, just, I tweeted something that I knew I shouldn't have at the time and then, but did it anyway. Because, you know, you have that impetus where you're like, oh, I'm going to say something. But I was like, you know, I can't really blame Republicans for being confused about you know, the whole Russian Ukrainian thing, because this is the first time they're actually seeing a country defend its capital instead of attacking it. And uh, yeah, and I was like, that's <laughs> hilarious and clever. And then I just, and then I just, my phone was like, bing, 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 bing. You know what I mean? I was just like, was it worth it, you dumb, dumb, dumb person? Was it worth it? And I guess that's the thing for me is, is it worth it? Like, you know, there's some of it, you know, it shows up in the songs. It's strange that people, you know, who've listened to my music for a long time think I'm. Uh, you know, conservative or, right. you know, uh, uh, but. Or, you know, why are you talking about politics? It's like, have you ever listened to our records? Like, right. Yeah, <laughs> did, I know. Uh, okay. Uh, or our history. But it used to be, you know, we would do the benefits we did and support, you know, we took Amnesty International out on the road with us. And uh, sure. Rain, the rape, abuse, and incest. Now, you know, we're working for what I hope are universal causes, but are often portrayed as, as progressive causes. And... But we didn't have the comments and we didn't have social media. And if somebody showed up at a show and they thought like, huh, you know, 
Amnesty International, never going to see these guys again. It's fine. We wouldn't hear from them. They just disappear. Yeah. There wouldn't be, you know, this kind of reiterative, I can't talk, uh, you know, aggression, like sure. just coming back in waves and, and the trolling, you know, it's just, yeah. if you didn't like it, you might shrug it off and just go, well, their music's pretty good. I'll go back, you know, but, yeah. um, but it's this thing of both the expectation that we post constantly because you got to right. feed the algorithm. Yep. And so you're trying to feed the algorithm. And then in the meantime, you can't actually say anything. You have to constantly talk, but you can't say anything worth saying because anything worth saying is going to start a massive argument. Absolutely. And so at a personal level, I've just kind of stopped and yeah. I do the live streams and I'm trying not to live in the comments and trying to figure out how to use these tools in a way that feels honest and productive to me. And I mean, that's what I did, you know, aside from all the times I got caught up in it, which was a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I just started doing live streams and, you know, making them benefits during, I, I don't know. I tried to, to stay out and, and I kept getting caught in the, the crap of it. But yeah. recently I've done a much better job and I am a happier person. Good. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel that too, man. It's, <laughs> Weird. when you when you when you want to step back and not do anything you feel somewhat guilty but the funny thing is it's like it's for your own mental health and stuff too you know you like you like there was a point i think we were all like the blm stuff and everything that was going on at that point everyone was posting constantly and i felt the need to do the same thing get anybody's message out i possibly could use the follower base that i had to like keep people you know abreast i guess of whatever situation was going on but then i found i'd like uh linked up with like someone you know, like-minded, some some giant account or whatever it was. And then I found out they were kind of profiting in a weird way off of like, mm -hmm. you know, posts or like sharing, like they were kind of curating material in a way. And then also like, mm -hmm. but then branding, putting it on like shirts and stuff, selling stuff. And man, I felt so like sick about mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Cause I was just like, that is not what I, you know, they were like sharing my posts too. And then I saw it on like some product stuff and I was like, this is not what I signed You know, I, I don't know what's going on, but it made me feel like, like shit. Cause I was like, Oh man, everyone's just trying to capitalize. And it, and it yeah. kind of fucked me up for a little bit. And we're all going to be wrong. And there are moments where you're swept up and, and one of the big, you know, one of the places where, you know, once again, I would say the same people who roundly criticize the left for these things don't criticize the right for it because the right, you know, but yeah, it's worth criticizing on both sides. And we weren't getting the criticism from the left, but some of the criticism of you're just bandwagoning. Everybody's yeah. putting up a black square. You put up a black square. You reposted Quincy Jones's like our management put up, you know, it was like the Quincy Jones. We are the the gatekeepers of culture. We're not the gatekeepers. And like, why did we repost that? That's not us. Uh, and so like some really embarrassing moments and embarrassing getting called on like screw you in your black square you're just jumping on board trying to look woke and cool and having to right oh, you're like, you know there are those moments but it's you know this you get swept up in that moment and then trying to find your own voice and once again that combination of you know my posts i have no management i have no a social media person. I, I'm, I'm me. I have a booking agent, and that's right. It. And yeah. so, uh, 
my solo pages, the reason they're so algorithmically poor and the reason <laughs> there's nothing on them, it's just me doing doing whatever I do whenever I do it. And, you know, Toad, we have a person and she's good at her job, but like mm -hmm. that job is feeding the algorithm. Yeah. And, and so you always have to have new content and it's just, uh, and, yeah. It is embarrassing. And when it gets wrapped up in politics or trying to talk about something worthwhile, it, it, it gets ugly and feels wrong very quickly. Yes. And, and so, you know, in the stepping back from that, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, I don't know how to do any of this stuff in a way that makes any sense. No, I mean, and also the assumption that if you don't, you're just terrible. Like, like people really take that that uh, stance of, oh, you haven't done anything or said anything in a while on social media. You then must you be care. working for. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, <laughs> I do. I'm just, I'm just, you know, trying to live and and uh, figure shit out on my own too, quietly at first. You know, like. But especially during that time, like I had people because I, me personally, like run very apolitical. I try not to show everybody what like wherever I stand. And uh, I had gotten private messages saying that silence is saying a lot to people that need you to hear them. So then I'm like, oh, now I got to come up with something. So it becomes like it's a catch-22, right? So if you mm -hmm. try not to say the wrong thing, it's almost taken as poor because they don't want you to be silent. Yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, there is a, a I do think there is a responsibility uh, which I often fail at in, in being any kind of a public figure. And, uh, you mm -hmm. know, I'm about as minor a public figure as it gets, but there's people who, you know, there are people who tune in. It's a few hundred people, Absolutely. but they're, yeah. they're there. And, and so there is a responsibility in that for me not to misinform for people, for me to be not bigger than myself, but at least honest about my failings and that I'm trying to figure out truth and, and, and have to, you know, question myself a few times about what's worth saying or what's worth putting out there. Am I just yeah. being reactionary? And I keep coming back, you know, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, damn it, Bob Marley's right. You know, right. It's just love. It has to be about love, <laughs> compassion. Yeah. And I'm willing to be, I would rather be, um, you know, I would rather be wrong and find out about it and, and be able to correct it than yeah. feel like I have to rigidly pretend I'm right all the time. But yeah. I also know there's things I'm going to be rigid about. And even, you know, when talking to people, you know, about personal freedoms or this and that, and really wanting to listen to, to their grievances about that and, you know, and have to go, it's like, well, I'm just of a, of a mind personally. It's like, it's not for me to decide who gets to live and die. But if I have a choice, I'd rather help decide that more people get to live than get to die. And yes, I know the earth is overpopulated. And I know <laughs> I'm a hypocrite by, by saying I want to save lives because I also think the world is overpopulated and that's like the root of so many of the problems of you know resource management and everything else. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to be the executioner. Right. And, and what you're saying is, is you'd still stop Thanos from doing the snap, basically. I would still stop Thanos. That's yes. all we need to know is, are you an Avenger? Yeah. That's what we're here to find out. And I which Avenger still... would you be? Oh, God. I'm less of an Avenger. I'm more of like a mystery man. Honestly, like <laughs> Mr. Fury, right? Yeah, that's ben great. Ben Stiller, whose who's, who's superpower was impotent rage. <laughs> that's me. That's I get really angry, but it doesn't change anything. <laughs> <laughs> that just made me so happy that you were no one ever references mystery man that's a great movie it is a flawed movie but it's 
fucking brilliant. It's yeah. so oh god, invisible, but you're only invisible oh, when nobody's looking at you. It's I like know. everybody's superpower <laughs> is self-defeating. Yeah, it's so oh, great. Especially yeah. in the I feel like for that's few. the appropriate movie. Yeah, for <laughs> It's, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh man! Well, I got, so when you were doing, you were talking about the live streams earlier before too. Was that something that you embraced early on? Because I know some people had different feelings about it, where they're like, "Fuck, I don't really want to go and have to do live stream stuff." Like, I want to go back on the road. Is your connection more with live audiences, or were you still able to kind of make that connection doing the live streams with your fans? I had been um, at that time for eight years or something. I mean, it's been 10 years now since probably my first stage it. So mm -hmm. I'd been doing live streams. Okay. Uh, I'd been, I'd been using stage it and I'd been doing shows on stage it for years. And, mm -hmm. um, when it first shut down, I was like, Oh, I guess I'll do some stage it. I'll start on that. And then I'm mm -hmm. like, Oh, live streaming is a thing now. Like we have fast internet and the world is modernized. Right. And so I, um, decided I'd do Facebook, Facebook streams. Mm -hmm. And then I found out, and I think the first few weeks I thought it was only going to be a month. So I was like, I'll do five a week. <laughs> and, uh, and then I found, uh, there that you could, the donate button on Facebook and that I, I like, Oh, I can go online and I can make it, uh, like make it a fundraiser. And so like, mm -hmm. Oh, cool. I'll do fundraisers. And then I switched it to three a week. And then, it kept going on and on and a few people wrote in and it's like, Hey, can I send you a tip or something? So at some point oh, nice. I was doing stage it, which is, you know, where people tip and they, they take a percentage, but it's like set up for the artist to make money. And at some point people were asking, you know, on Facebook, can I send you a tip? So I would do the benefit. And at the bottom, I would just say like, if you want to tip me, you know, here's my Venmo, here's my PayPal. So there mm. wouldn't be a paywall. And the focus was always on fundraising. And, you know, I mostly forgot to mention like the tipping thing. Uh, <laughs> and so it ended up, I was doing three of those a week, three, mm -hmm. three of the live streams. And then I would do Sundays were stage it. And Tuesdays I've been doing community choir leading in Santa Barbara and we couldn't do that anymore. Cause it's, it's like a non-performance choir where you get nice. together for an hour and a half. And it's just like, kind of like spiritual songs, but like, um, uplifting songs that we sing with each other oh, cool. and it's never performance oriented. And mm -hmm. uh, it, I, I've really nice. loved doing that. And so I would do that with a looper on Tuesdays and yeah. I would just stand in front of the computer and I'd sing the songs and I'd loop all the harmonies. Oh, that's and people awesome. would sing along at home and we'd do that on Zoom. And so I was five nights a week doing shows of some kind. Wow. Uh, and driving my my uh, my now fiance, her her son, you know, poor guy had to listen to me like <laughs> singing these songs to myself <laughs> where you couldn't even hear all the parts or if I'd play electric guitar, it's like me just going, you know, with, uh, poor kid had to listen to, to five nights a week of me, you know, doing that. Uh, but it was, it ended up being a really lovely thing. I would, and people started sending me in suggestions for nonprofits. We did a ton. A lot of it was food kitchens. A lot of it was nice. hunger stuff. Um, and so just started doing, you know, three benefits a week and also creating a thing where it was just it felt natural instead of 
you know, there are, there are all these opportunities to do stars or paywalls or ads, right. or, you know, it's like, you're supposed to add all this bling. And I just figured I wanted my live streams to be a place where it was kind of community friendly and where it was, I don't know, like an unstructured where it wasn't an economy yeah, because <laughs> everything was being monetized. And, and so a really beautiful community came out of it. I mean, there's, you know, at least two couples that came out of it. One couple's engaged now, they're getting married, wow. like who met in the chats and people would check in on each other. Like, you know, if they were going through chemo, if their kid was having trouble, like they started becoming a community and really supporting each other. And when I've done shows since then, they, they you know, these they, they're showing up and like they know each other from online and they're meeting in person. And it's been a really beautiful thing. Um, and awesome. it ended up being, yeah, it, it, I loved that they were able to get together and I, and I, on top of it, I ended up getting through the year. We like ended up raising a lot of money for a lot of charities and I didn't have to take assistance because the community supported me and mm. supported me just, you know, and some people gave a lot, some people were there and couldn't give anything. And um and, and getting to feel that support too of how much people value music because especially as a musician you're kind of these days it feels very unvalued right oh yeah yeah you know music's at the end of the chain you know it's like hey we're making a film like we'd love to have your song in it can't pay anything everybody else got paid <laughs> but the music you can have the exposure yeah and, sure and and so you know it's been it was really wonderful to have this group of people and feel so deeply supported by them. And, you know, I have like, they gave me, you know, sent me like a yearbook for my birthday of pictures of all of them and wow. you know, thank you notes. And like, just these amazing and generous people, they got me through the year, they got each other through the year and we did a lot of good for other people in the middle of it. It just, and so it, it felt, it really kept me, you know, from going off the deep end. And, and they would probably tell you too, depending on the week, some weeks I was really solid mm. and I felt like, you know, my higher self was in control. And then if I'd start drinking again, or if I'd start, you know, yeah. I would go through my own process or I'd, you know, let somebody shit talking in the comments, get under my skin and I'd lose it. And, and they were with, and it was three days a week. So there's no filter. And right. I was going through the same up and downs as they were. And, yeah. and and the weird thing yeah. about that too is you literally are in front of a i mean you know you do shows like when i, I'm when I was touring to myself in front <laughs> yeah. yeah sorry oh yeah no it was like it's weird when you're doing like uh you know when you're touring and you're doing shows or whatever you do them on the weekdays or like sporadically during the week so people see you in that moment or whatever and then that's it and you're kind of gearing up for those trips when you're starting to do stuff like this it's so weird i feel like i can map out my level of depression and how well I was eating and everything else just by watching either episodes of this or anytime I did a zoom stand up. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, you're, you're a little heavy there and you're clearly having shout. You know what I mean? Like, like I was like, Oh, I was really oh, fucked yeah. up then. Yeah. And you're like, and people shit. would write, even though I try to hide it, you know, I mm -hmm. get people writing me on Facebook going, are you okay right now? <laughs> you seem, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm losing it. I don't looking too good. You're like, no, we no all I don't feel too it. good. Yeah, absolutely. We all lost it. In the very um, beginning, I don't know what, like, I mean, because we all thought it was going to be like, what, three weeks max or whatever the hell it is. Mm -hmm. So in the very beginning, I was like treating it like a, a just a extra vacation. I was like, I'm going to bike every day. It was, it was in March, too. So it was starting to be springtime. So I was like 
really good, getting in really good shape. Mm -hmm. Cut to did like you make sourdough. I did. <laughs> no, I made banana bread. Banana bread. Okay. Um, and my friends made pizza. And there were there were stages of it that I didn't get into. I didn't get into the pizza making stage, but they made their own pizza. They were getting all into it. Um, it's funny. Do you know Tom Papa? Okay, he's a he's a comic who makes he makes bread. It's like his passion. He has a he has that's his podcast. Pod, his podcast is called nice. Breaking Bread with Papa and Tom Papa. He's hilarious comic. Uh, but I uh, w when we made the banana bread, I sent him a picture of the bread. He, I mean, when he responded like too sweet, like what's it look? Did you burn the bottom? And I was like, I was flipping it. Down. I'm like flipping <laughs> over the own bread. I'm like, I don't know if we burned the bottom, but you know, he was just really into it. Um, but yeah, did that. Got in like somewhat, you know, stayed pretty healthy, whatever, and then cut to like winter time to where i didn't even want to like slice my own cheese i just ripped open the package and fisted crackers and was like eating and i was like i'm not doing good here uh <laughs> it was like a weird people drank i ate i think that's what i did so crazy i feel like it went from i feel like this gave us an outlet though to connect with people like especially if you're used to live engagement and performing and yeah. needing to be fed this allowed mm. you to get i think this to me i never podcasted before in my life before all of that happened and then all of a sudden and unlike you, John, I never thought it was three weeks because I was doing a, a thing with a girl that we were doing peer reviewed articles. And we were like, oh, no, this is two years. Like, look at history. Like every hundred years, this happens. And let's mm -hmm. buckle in and we'll be OK. And it was uh, so weird, man. I feel like yeah. we came out the other side. Well, now we're coming out the other side. And now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until Coachella hits and then they make some new, you know, yeah whatever variant <laughs> covid cella yeah covid cella, COVID exactly. cella. that's gonna be i really hope they I, if, if something happens i really hope they name it that just out of spite see this is the terrible stuff where i'm like just fucking do it yeah we did a yeah uh, we co-produced this um th that was the thing though you were talking about connection and stuff like that which is crazy we did this co-produces charity event and i'm you know made a bunch of phone calls and got a bunch of comedians in mm -hmm. and it was literally supposed to be you do your time and then you peace but nobody i didn't just take took for granted that no one had seen each other or been inside a comedy club mm -hmm. or you know been out on the road no one we did a 93 hour stream broke like a guinness Jerry world stream. record yeah. yeah and uh but nobody left people kept coming back in and it would just wound up being That's all awesome. of us and and we no one realized how much they needed it people were like are you guys still on and like everybody had the one link so people kept popping in from all over different time zones wow. uh yeah and it was it was really really yeah. surreal and very nice and um, we met a lot of people doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, people cool. needed check-ins and it felt good to, to also be able to, you know, figure out like, yeah, what, what are your options? Like, mm -hmm. you know, as a comedian, if you don't get, if you, you, you know, if you don't, if you're not Kevin Hart, you know, if you're not yeah, making you know, movies, if you don't get your series, if you don't, <laughs> like, I wish, <laughs> but like, right. There are these things that can bump you up really quick mm -hmm. and, uh, and so, I mean, and same in music, if you haven't had like whatever your cultural breakthrough of whatever type it is, you know, getting, yeah. getting the set of perfect placements or getting, you know, these, you know, whatever it may be, it's like, how do you just get by and, and have it work? And I think a lot of people, you know, this, they found little niches here that are really great. I mean, yeah. I've. I've taken my evenings back because, you know, now that we're not working remotely, like, you know, we don't see each other and, you know, we like to have our evenings be our evenings. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, we got the dog, we're going out, we're watching the sunset, you know, it's like, sure. you know, living a life, but still trying to do when I'm home, at least, 
uh, you know, one broadcast a week. I'm going to start doing nice. the singing circles in person again outside, which oh, I, sweet. I just love. Yeah. I got to do a few in the summer before uh, Delta hit. And nice. it was so amazing to sing with people again. And like every gig I play is still like the level of gratitude for getting to do what I used to do is off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah the and the gratitude for everything that else came up and and once again i say this as one of the incredibly lucky ones who you know all my i have my kids are you know 26 25 and 20 each mm -hmm. of them came back and lived with me for a while nice uh moved in with you know my partner and like you know that like there are all these things that happened that uh might not have happened otherwise that yeah i'm really deeply grateful for and no one really close to me died. <laughs> and, nice. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, no one really close to me. Well, that's no, not true. A couple people close to me had their lives kind of shattered and, and right. you know, and uh, so not entirely true. But, uh, you know, within the bubble of my life, um, I feel very, very grateful. And, you know, and so... Um, but man, we're, this is going to take a while and yeah. you know, um, it's going to take a while to get over it. And especially I think for kids, just the, the development, you know, in, in days where you're supposed to be with other kids and seeing faces and playing together and, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're all, we all have some complex PTSD, I think. I was going to say our so. friend is studying that right now and doing research yeah. papers on like the level of trauma that people are going to, that they don't even really know they're going through right now and what it's going to be like coming out of it and what they're going to have to do. Um, yeah. It's going to be wild. And it's, and plus now, you know, onset of war too. So why don't I just add that on top of it? It's fine. Uh, <laughs> at least we're getting it all out of the way. I feel like that's what it is. They're just getting it all out of the way now. They're like, let's just, you know, get this done with. It'll be fine. And we'll it's go a back dystopic to... cleanse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and there's a thing that for me at the very end of it, because I felt like in the last few months, there's been, you know, a personal unwinding for me, like the parts of me that were, uh, you know, hurt post-divorce or not wanting to engage fully in life, like that were kind of keeping life a little bit at distance. Sure. Um, this will sound unrelated, but I talked about there's that thing of like, you know, I'm sure you have a friend who had cancer, who survived, and they're just like eating life now, like every right. day's bonus. They're like inspiring. They're they're willing to take chances. They're willing to say yes to audacious things or even non audacious. They're just willing to be vulnerable and go mm -hmm. like, yeah, this could hurt, but I want to say yes. I want, I don't want thing, to, you know, I, I don't want stuff to, I don't want to say no to anything. Right. And I, I'm fine if it, it, it might go wrong, like because life is precious and it's very limited. And I feel like finally at the very end of this, these last couple months, I finally got that like, oh, and there's a war starting. And of course, the <laughs> environment's still, you know, reading like new environmental, like I, I can become a news junkie. It's one of the things I need to actually filter out for my own happiness because yep. most of it I can't do much about. Yes. I'll just sing my songs and say, we got to love each other. And kind of at some degree, <laughs> the less news I have, probably the more productive I'll be and the only little things I can do, which is like palliative care for a dying species on a, yeah. on a planet that, frankly, in two million years, Earth's fine. We will yeah, have yeah. a distant memory. Yep. And, you know, it, it's and, so true. And so 
just getting that perspective and going like, I'm 51. Like, I don't have long to mess around. You know, I've always thought my dad died at 59. So I've always felt that I wouldn't make it to, to 60. Right. Like I've had that kind sure. of, like I got, and, and just to go like, oh, this is my moment. This is acting like a person who survived cancer. Like, yeah, screw conditionality. Start saying yes and get into it. And I finally like, we'll see if it lasts or not. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it is one of those <laughs> things where you, <laughs> you got to keep, well, this is why, as my therapist says, practice makes practice, right? You know, <laughs> meditation, yoga, it's like, it's not like you get there and you go, oh, I'm, I'm cool. I'm enlightened. I'm good now. Yeah. I can stop working at it. Right. It's constant. You know, it's and constant. you slip. And that's what people have done. You, you know, you have to be okay with being able to go, yeah, I fucking slipped this week. And I dove back into old hat. I mean, you know, there's times for me too, where I'm like, I know I feel happier when I'm not scrolling through Twitter at, at 3am and, and just reading about all the garbage shit I can't control and can't help and letting it, you know, sit in my brain forever. I know it makes me feel better. And then every now and again, I slip right back into it. And I realize time has passed, the sun's risen, and I haven't solved anything. And I'm just tired now, and I got to start a day. And it, it, you know, but it happens, and you got to be yeah. okay with it. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, we come, we go, but uh, it, it's felt good to kind of come out of this going like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And the shit will eventually hit the fan in some way. Like, sure. You know, uh, you know I, I got, you know, post divorce really into grief as just a subject to study. I got mm -hmm. into poetry start, you know, and David White uh, has this great quote about how grief is the inevitable consequence of loving anything differently. Yeah. Um, loving anything because anything you love will change. Loving, right. Sorry. Yeah. The inevitable consequence of loving anything deeply. Mm. Uh, Cause we don't like what we love to change too much. Sure. And it's going to die or it's going to grow up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or you're going to die or it's going to get yeah. sick. It, like some will change. And yeah. and so you can either just love less or just realize it's going to hurt. And that if you can remember that the hurt is just because you loved, <laughs> then, yeah. then you're better off, right? Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. That's like a, that's a solid perspective, man, because I feel like everybody came out of this changing something, either about their career, their life, you know, I mean, most people, it's kind of funny when you look at it, you can tell that they have not been alone with themselves or their own thoughts, maybe however long they've been alive. Maybe they just never had that opportunity, depending on, mm -hmm. you know, what path they chose in life or whatever. But it is kind of funny because either I felt somewhat oddly OK with uh, a lot of what was going on, like I was able to compartmentalize and kind of deal. But that's because I'd spent a long time trying to figure out who I was beforehand. So like even doing stand up, you kind of get, you know, you know, the same thing too. performing and being in this kind of business. You get you deal with rejection a lot. Sometimes it's isolation. Sometimes you feel like you're on your own. So when all this kind of came back full swing and also I've dealt with like varying degrees of depression over the years, too. So when all this came about, they were like, hey, you can't see anybody. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. And um, your career might be where I was like, I've been through this <laughs> and I've done it to yeah. myself. <laughs> and well, and there was point. a familiarity like I've I am such a you know, it's like, you know, the reason I, I, you know, don't have enough in the bank to, you know, like maybe I'll be able to retire something like is I wouldn't invest because I would always go like, no, 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 no. It's about to fall. This is a bubble. 
This is a bubble. Doomsday is coming. There's no way I'm putting my money in the stock market because the stock market is going to crap. And then we just keep going up and up and up. And like, I'd be okay if I'd invested back in the day, right? right? Yeah, and, yeah. And I'm, I'm pure doomsday all the time. And mm -hmm. so when, when this hit, when the pandemic hit, there was a part of me that went like, oh, okay. I knew this was, I <laughs> yes, knew it. Absolutely. And, and like it lasted a few months, but, but it was mm. actually relaxing. It's like, we're here at the end of the world. I yeah. knew this was like, I felt relaxed actually into me it. too and calm and i felt a little guilty about feeling a little relaxed there were times where like a couple of close friends of mine were free but you know what was cool is people were freaking out who had never dealt with like any level depression or anything like that before and they were calling like they were like hey what, what do you do when expert you, you advice know? yeah and i was like uh this is the moment i've been waiting for let me jump in here <laughs> <laughs> you know can't help anybody out with sports shit can't help anybody out with anything you know i can't build uh, I'm not any of those people, but I was like, let me tell you how to deal with your own thoughts. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was it was weird, man. How do I this... how do I how do I deal with my own thoughts? <laughs> I know. I wish you, you know could do, tell me that. I've been if with you... him for 130 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I've got a Patreon. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you can join that. No, we don't have any of that. Uh, but uh, um, it is. No, you have I... a master class. Yeah, I have a master. Yes. <laughs> I'm wearing a sweater in it. I'm very professional. The hair is tied back into a ponytail. Uh, it's good times. Um, we just lost a viewer. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they were like, fuck this guy. Um, but uh, I want to talk to you about your new album because I do love, I love the album. Um, and was, but I don't know, was this uh, um, pre-COVID you were working on it or you worked on it during COVID? What was the whole process for that? It was mostly written pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Or was it entirely written pre-COVID? I'm trying to think if there was like a last entry in there. Um, I had a bunch of songs. I'd started actually a solo record and then I decided like, I, have, I haven't had a Toad record in way. Like it'd be better to make a Toad record. And, <laughs> uh, and so we went into the studio, I think in February, we had like three days where we recorded drum, you know, basic tracks on things. And then there was shutdown and we couldn't, couldn't do right. any more days. And, uh, so we ended up finishing the record. Like, this is why this room is here set up the way it is. It's like, we <laughs> make tracks and we all sent it in via Dropbox. Like we had basic nice. stuff and, you know, running logic at home, like s send it on Dropbox and Michael, the producer would just you know, mix it and put it together. And so we, it was this game of telephone. Uh, and, and I changed lyrics. There were, there were a few, there were a lot of subtleties in language, just becoming kind of more aware, like it was a moving target. Uh, mm. You know, there were a few songs that were specifically topical and then like, oh, and this is really important. And then there'd be no, that's really, that's really important. And so there was a certain, um, movement from things that were expressly topical to things that felt a little broader in scope, which okay. I think ended up helping the record because, uh, and, and places where I had to really question my language, uh, you know, looking at, am I acting like there's a song called truth that had a bunch of rewrites mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, it's like, because I kept realizing I have no handle on the truth any more than anybody does. And, and there were lines that felt a little finger pointy or uh, right. like I had something worked worked out that I don't have worked out. And I was okay. trying to really be 
um, cognizant of that. So uh, there, yeah, it, so it ended up getting edited because it felt like there was this moving target of shit storminess that uh, I didn't know where it was going to hit next, but there's right. an assumption. Have you ever read like Jonathan Lethem? Yeah. Um, did you read A Gun with Occasional Music? Yes. Because right in that, in that it's this dystopian future. And if you do something wrong, basically what happens is they put you, they freeze you until the future, you know, and you'll get like a 10 year sentence. But basically what it means is you'll wake up in the future, but the future is guaranteed worse than now. Yep. Right. <laughs> and, and I just felt like that's how things were going. Like what's going to happen next? And it's going to be worse. So you couldn't be specific. It had to just be about like, how do I just keep my center ever, or even if I can't keep my center, allow myself to freak out and try to keep some sure. tendril to like what actually matters, like what's actually important in the middle of this. And can I stay open? Can I stay loving? And even, you know, definitions of hope. Um, and I wish I could remember the author. Jillian uh, Mason. I'm forgetting who it was. But she talks about, you know, hope as opposed to optimism, that optimism is saying everything's going to be fine, so it's passive, and mm -hmm. pessimism is the same to the negative, and that hope is like saying you have no idea what's going to come down the line, but you kind of have some idea of what the right thing to do in the moment might be. Wow. And that you do that. Yeah. You just invest in, you know, following like your heart, following love, following the things that actually matter, because that's the only compass you have. Sure. Uh, and, and so, because it just felt like it was just going to keep coming down the line. And it's still like sometimes, you know, the, these last two weeks with Ukraine and Putin and just going, yeah. like, oh, God, remembering, I was telling, like talking about it this morning, like of hearing Russians again, the, the Sting song. And like, I grew up with that fear of mm -hmm. nuclear war. Yeah. like active like soviet russia and nuclear war and i hadn't felt that feeling of like holy shit the button could get pressed yeah uh i had some of that fear in the trump era of course but yeah uh but it was this odd you know somebody in another country being like hey by the way remember before you do anything i'm going to take this as an act of war and i have nukes i am a country yes. with a gdp less than italy but i am a nuclear superpower and i'm batshit crazy yeah and and like, I haven't had that, like, and it's like this old stress that's been living in my body that like suddenly started just going ah, again. Yeah. And it was yeah. wild to feel I, that. I know you mean we had, uh, this might make you feel somewhat better. Maybe a little bit. It gave me a little bit of a uh, peace of mind. We had a geopolitical analyst on the show earlier named Michael Hilliard. Um, mm -hmm. he's got a, a, a great, um, podcast called the red line podcast podcast. He's be a conflict journalist and his main focus okay. is in. Russia, Ukraine and stuff. And I asked him, I, 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 know. I hear conflict journalists and I think like Alex Jones. Like, ah! <laughs> like, <laughs> Key difference is the real word journalist there. That's what we're focused on. Real um, world and, and focusing on world conflict. Right, on world Figuring yeah. it out now. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. just specializing in creating conflict. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Good point though. That's not a bad, that's not a bad way to do it. You got to separate the two. Um, so he, but he was fascinating, you know, great guy and, and super smart and everything. And I kind of just asked him like, you know, cause there is all this talk and I have a genuine fear just the same way you do of like this button could be pushed and people are eager to do it. And I was like, is that the case? Are people really eager to like, is Putin as crazy 
about being like one step away from doing it as he is. And he kind of was like, Putin also doesn't want to like, no one, no one really, 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 really wants to go to nuclear war. Like, believe yeah. me, like everyone is being as cautious and is very analytical about it. So that made me feel a little bit better. Cause he is kind of like, he's got a lot of people, you know, close that are involved in this thing and, and the stuff that he has to go do. I think he's going out to, uh, where did he, he was going somewhere. Actually, yeah, he couldn't tell us where he was going, which is always makes me like a little on edge too. I'm like, why can't you do right. Um, he's like not on air. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but he was very much like, look, that, that is really like, no one's like that, that crazy. Like, I it's know there's a lot of talk rattling. about it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and it's Putin's nice to know be that. a piece of work right now. Just, just, I mean, the, his humiliation and, and yeah. as a, as a narcissist and as somebody who can never be wrong in so misunderstanding, uh, <laughs> you know, how much resistance he was going to get, how yeah. prepared he was, how, you know, how brave, I think he just figured, ah, so he's effeminate. He, he's just going to run. Yep. I put out a hit on him. He's going to run. And he did, you know, it's like, it's so much, they pulled his black belt. I love oh. that the Taekwondo Association pulled his black belt. That is hilarious. Like, that was so uh, great. But it's like this thing of like, yeah, I think he thought he was just going to be able to walk in and grab it and miss just underestimated everything. And uh, yeah, I hope it's the end of I hope it is the end of his reign. Oh, me too. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, and I hope he doesn't also just as a fuck you, like leave, leave the Ukraine as as like a nuclear wasteland. You know, um, yeah, I get scared of that. That he's me just going to go, oh, by the way, on my way out. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> he does seem that kind of like a vindictive kind of type of prick. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think you need three guys to press the button at once. So you need three fully vindictive pricks. It's to a, really it's a it is a big heavy button. No, I'm just, I, I just imagine like three guys haven't actually pressed down. That's because I'm a child. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm a big fan. Of actually, anime, in yeah. Russia, it's a lever. They have to pull it. You need a certain amount of mass. <laughs> <laughs> Putin's got to ride his horse in the opposite direction. It's tied to the thing. Yes, I get it's it. Shirtless, shirtless. That's the after he pulls the bear. The ropes are tied to his nipple. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, exactly. That's how he has to pull it off. That's great. I'm sorry for the imagery, everybody, but uh, <laughs> you have to live with it. So do you. There are um, so many great questions. Yeah, in, we got. Uh, let's get to some of those. So I definitely want to okay. want to field some of them for you guys. So feel free to ask them. But I'll, I'm going to ask you a couple that keep popping on us. Glenn, is there a chance for a cover album? That's what they keep. I've, I've seen that question so many times so far. Uh, from from me or the band? Uh, we we've been talking about doing a covers album. We're gonna have a live album come out uh, before the summer tour, and we've been talking about a cover album. Yes, that's uh, awesome. So good question. Good question. From and I author. thought of doing one myself as well. Nice. Wait, nice. Yeah. Is there one song that you really really want to cover that you haven't done yet? Like even on tour, like live, something that you were like thinking about doing. Well, the band hasn't done. Uh, Dean Dean suggested uh, "What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding," which is just such oh. a perfect song for right now. Nick Lowe yeah. played it a few times acoustic and experimented with it, kind of ballady. It, it's nice slow actually, because you're not gonna you're not gonna beat Elvis Costello in like the balls out version, right? Um, yeah. So Pete Thomas just like. Argh! <laughs> that's so great and what i know also uh somebody was asking could 
Will you give up a little bit of uh, how the engagement went down? Because they went nuts over the engagement oh, news. They weren't ready for uh, it. They, they were. It. It. That's yeah, private. Uh, there you go. That's, you can yeah, say that. You're allowed to say that. I'm just yeah. gonna say I'll keep, I'll keep that for for me uh, and for us. But I'm really happy about it. Yeah, congratulations, I love that. man. Yeah, yeah congratulations. I know when I got engaged, people didn't believe me that I got engaged because it wasn't on social media. Which I was like, maybe we just wanted to. Hope yeah. That and and people also, it's interesting. People want the story of the moment. Yeah. And, and, and like it's a narrative. Like, did you was there a mariachi band? Were there? <laughs> were there? Was there a rose petal cannon? Right. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, yeah. It makes me very very happy. It just it just feels good to say yes. You know if that makes sense and to, to not not put life on hold uh, yeah you know uh, it's so easy you know i go into things get difficult and i go like i it was part of it too with you know it's like okay housing price in santa barbara through the roof it's going it's like i'll probably never have a house here again uh, the environment it's like okay so what's not on fire or like <laughs> super volcano or you know, crazy winter storms, what's going to have water in 20 years? It's like, frankly, if we're if we are climate refugees in 15 years, I have a bigger fish to fry like, the, you know, owning I'll be yeah. really happy I didn't spend all my money, you know, not, the dollar will have collapsed, but I'll be happy I didn't spend money on a house in Santa Barbara. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's like, there's a certain, you know, getting that idea, you know, there's a, a book on Zen Buddhism called the wisdom of no escape. Ooh. And just that idea, it's like, there was some switch I experienced of going like, okay, what, what do I really want? And I, and, and this is a lucky position to be in, right? Mm -hmm. Is to go, I want my day-to-day -day existence the way it is. I actually want exactly what I have. And I know that even the problems I, in my little personal sphere, yeah, not everything is perfect, but they're really workable problems. It, they're mm -hmm. imperfections yeah. that are not based on like abuse or, you know, the, like the problems that I have are lucky problems to have. And right. like the only thing I could improve is that if I woke up every morning and just said, thank you, instead of what if there's a more perfect place somebody somewhere else? Like, yeah. that's the only thing I can really improve in the real world. The better places are imaginary. And I'm like, oh, I'd have to have a completely new friend set. I'd have to learn Portuguese or something. You know, I'd have, mm. it's like I would have <laughs> yeah. all these things. There would be all this work that I don't want to do to make that the perfect place I'd imagine. And the fact is I'm still going to be me and I'm still going to be just as slack as I am. Right. And so, right. like, I finally maybe it just made log logical sense to me finally that the, 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 the least effort would be to go like, I fucking love my life right now <laughs> and and just stop imagining in some perfect place that's better because there isn't one yeah and, and you get to the old place you get to the new place and it becomes the old place and you get to the new friends and they become the old friends and they're they all happen to be human beings so they're all mm -hmm. weird and <laughs> and you're still you you know buckaroo bonsai wherever you go there you are yeah, I'm still me with whatever shit that I'm not willing to take care yeah. of. And and it was just like, oh, that all that 
perfect. It's only perfect because it's imaginary. Mm -hmm. And and this is yeah. really good. And the, the main problem with it is that I'm not spending enough attention like showing up every day and actually appreciating it and being present. Right. Uh, doesn't mean it's perfect, but it's not bad for being a human being on planet Earth in 2022. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I am uh, envious of how healthy you are. <laughs> Man, oh, that was wait a till later. That was a great. <laughs> as soon as it's this not, goes, it's not off. a permanent state. It's just... yeah. I hear you, man. No, I know exactly, but I, I know exactly where you are, and it's beautiful. It's awesome. I have serotonin issues. Yeah, but oh, even with man. that, you can take gummies. Like yeah, but the but the experiment of anything, the the alcohol experiment. It's like, mm. oh, if I ever drink more than almost never, yeah. Uh, bad thoughts become uh, like just get really sticky they get very velcro shaped like yeah if i don't drink you know and like it's th these simple little things like and i've tried this experiment so much because it's so nice to have a beer and i feel mm -hmm. good for an hour but then the next morning all the shitty thoughts stick and oh yeah yeah. I'm not as enthused about going for a run, and so I might not go. And if I, it's like this domino of, you know, actual self care, not self care meaning pop the wine and watch The Bachelor, self care right. meaning <laughs> right. like do things that require a little more effort that yep. make it so that the bad thoughts just roll out of my brain more quickly. I still yeah. have all the bad thoughts. I'm wired for bad thoughts. I'm negatively right. inclined in so many ways. And so like my positivity and my, my attention to these details is based on the fact that I know I am negatively inclined right. and that I have to cultivate and I don't want to cultivate a bullshit. Everything's going to be all right. Positivity. I can't stand that. Yep. I, I want it's, to that's toxic gravity. in and of itself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, it, I'll, I'll give you the, the flip side to that coin. So I think I, I try to uh, not like a bullshit toxic, everything's going to be all right, but everything's going to work out. Right. Like I feel like it might not be all right. Yeah. But it's like I mean, accepting what's going to happen. Right. If I'm going to share like the good dark humor that, that, that my fiance and I have together, it's like, it's everything's going to be all right and then you'll die. And like, even in this, like, you know, we're going to get married. I love you, honey. We're going to do this. We're going to say yes. We're going to get married and and then we're going to die. Yeah. She's like, yes, then we're going to die. <laughs> and like, we'll help each other. Like, I am one of those, I'm one of those poor people who I like to know what exactly. Like, I have no pro, like, I, I don't like not knowing. If someone's like, look, I would much rather be the guy who knows the comments coming than the guy who has no idea and it just winds up showing up. If they're like, you got six months, I'm like, great, I could do something with those six months. At least I know or whatever it is. Like, it uh -huh. sucks, but I, I'm very much like, whatever. Like, that's why even like when we kind of figured out how long, you know, about how long COVID, like COVID is going to last yeah. a lot longer. As soon as I knew it, I was like, it fucking sucks. It's going to last a lot longer, but at least I know what I'm dealing with. I had, I mean, we got to hang out sometime. Like I had a similar <laughs> experience. I, I, I was, I'm putting out a solo album later this year too. I did a mm -hmm. solo album that'll come out in the fall. And nice. I was up in Vancouver and I've been having this weird thing where it's like hearing my heartbeat in my ear. Ooh. And, yeah. and I was mm -hmm. like, that can't be good. And went to an audiologist and he's like, ah, yeah, I mean, it could be often it's a tumor. They're usually benign. Ooh. And, and so I had this like, oh, I'm going to die. Okay, maybe brain tumor, probably two years. 
Mm-hmm. And and I'm a person who worries about the cancer. Like I don't want to go to the doctor because I don't like don't want to yeah. have find out about the cancer. I'm sure I have. That's already like, and and this thing of like I went to the doctor and he's, and I just had this sudden like oh I probably have two years. I know exactly what <laughs> I want to do. I'm not gonna do the, I'm not gonna do these things. I'm gonna do these things. I'm gonna have the best best two years. It's gonna be fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And and like I liked having two years to like at least in that initial moment it was like this weight off of me from wondering when i'll die and how i'll die and what i'll do with my life and yeah you know i go to my therapist and it's like i'm never gonna have enough money to retire but i'm gonna die before retirement age anyway (laughs) so ah, no matter what happens it's wrong and and this was just like oh man two years to live Fuck yeah. Yeah. Let's party. Right? <laughs> I bizarre similar similar situation. So I've had I had stomach problems for for years. I probably still have them, but they've subsided and I'm I'm like, hey, I'm in the clear. But like um like I had them for like a really long time. No one could figure out what it was. Went to a bunch of different doctors, put me on different medication. This one guy was a specialist and he was like, I'm gonna send you for all a bunch of tests. One of them, he sent me to a hematologist and it didn't click right away why he was even sending me them because they were like your white blood cell content is really high. You have all this other shit. We don't know what it is. Sends me to a hematologist. You know, they do the whole 11 vials of blood thing. I get, now I'm realizing they're obviously testing for some kind of can- like cancer or whatever. Mm-hmm. So my brain's processing that. I'm initially really bummed out. And then they sent me like a pamphlet in the mail, which was kind of hilarious, by the way. It was like, so you might have, can-. like, I didn't even know they sent <laughs> so pamphlets out. Yeah, so you're <laughs> having cancer. And it was like, you know, Captain America spins his chair around and leans in. I was like, oh, cool, a video. Um, but like, yeah, that whole thing didn't tell any of my friends, you know, none of that shit going on, but I was just processing it and going like, I'm going to prepare for the world. Like I probably, that's probably what it is. I had these yeah. stomach problems forever. No one can explain it. They're sending me for these. This is clearly what it is. By the time I got to go back to the hematologist and he got to tell me that it wasn't it. He was like, Hey, yeah. you're in the clear. I was so like non-responsive where I swear to, he was kind of like looking at me like kind of expected it to be happier, but okay. Cause I was literally just yeah. like. Oh, cool. I don't have it. So what is it? <laughs> you know, and I wasn't like, uh-huh. hey, I wasn't relieved, but I was just level. I was yeah. like, okay, so now that's that's done. And then I wound up telling my friends later because one of them saw like I had it in my room. And I was just like the pamphlet. And he's like, the fuck is this? And I was like, oh, yeah, they, uh, you know, they thought I might have that or whatever. And he was like, you were going to tell us? <laughs> just like, hey, you should have said, I've been meaning to give that to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just passing these around. I'm going door to door now. Uh it's a service I'm providing. <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, but yeah, we should hang out. That'd be great. <laughs> Do we have get your- real dark real fast with all of us? I oh, it's gonna be great. <laughs> the darker the better. Back when I was in my early twenties, I had a roommate, right? That mm. got diagnosed with uh w- with like the big one, right? So he got diagnosed with HIV. I freak out because we're roommates. Right. You know, like we know, listen, we know, it nothing ever happened, but like little things, like I read ha- possible ways to catch it. You know, when you mm-hmm. uh sharing toothbrushes and razors was on it, so you know, when you go in the bathroom and your toothbrush is wet, you're like, I haven't used this toothbrush recently, so you would like my head would freak out. Ran to a doctor because I'm a hypochondriac, and uh, he's like, Well, were you having sex with him? I'm like, No, I was not having sex with him. <laughs> He's like, then you have a very small chance of being this. <laughs> but it was during the time of, uh, like, it took five days for that test. I must have mm-hmm. played My Way by Frank Sinatra a million times. <laughs> that's, <laughs> your, that's your I'm Gonna Die song. <laughs> I learned that that day. <laughs> and so I'm going through oh, life as if it's over. <laughs> oh, my God. 
<laughs> and uh, my father had some great, like I was talking to him, I told him like the whole scenario. He's like, he's like, listen, we're all going to die. He's like, but he's like, he just happens to know a time frame that we don't. And I was like, well, that was a really enlightening, but dark, like revelation at that age. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. It was like, yeah. Okay. What do I do? I, I clear out the fucking storage space. Uh, you know, get rid of get, get rid of all the stuff that I'm never gonna need. Give stuff away. Get my will in order. Get the finance. Like, yeah, d- do some travel. Like, it was gonna be great. Yeah, yeah. right. And should yeah. we all be living like that anyway? <laughs> like, shouldn't we embracing it? Like, tomorrow's the end. That like almost anyway. I mean, a bit. That's the weird. That that's the odd like paradox in it. Right? Is the yeah. like you know happiness spiritual you know the spiritual practices i'm drawn to uh are are more about being present right now all you have you know past is an illusion the future well the past is gone the future is an illusion so now is it right Right. yeah now is it and i've written so many songs paraphrasing that Mm -hmm. like half the stuff i write these days is basically about this is it and (laughs) this is it that's the <laughs> <laughs> no mistake where you are. Uh, you know do, you, do you have the do you have that same brain where like when you just sang that song and I swear to God the next three tracks from one of those albums that they used to sell on TV when I was a kid you know what I mean uh-huh. where they would be like they would roll up and it's like you know uh, um, uh, what's that um, life is a highway like all of a sudden all these other songs <laughs> start playing and I'm like oh my God I know that. I just it's do like, it's my Michael McDonald like I go from there to Jumbo <laughs> I just go like the whole, like one of the, one of my bucket list things, like part of the Toad record was that now there's a song that I wrote that has the Michael McDonald that like that. I am on that fucking playlist. Oh, that's great. Awesome. I can that's die. That's so great. Mike but McDonald. The, the, but yeah, it's like all those practices come down to like, it's the moment and there's so much truth in that. And at the same time, there's like. Well, there's the moment, but there's also there's probably going to be tomorrow's moment. So you, you, it's good to know where there's clean water and have some food. And you know, yeah. it's like if you're going to have a moment tomorrow, there's a few things you might may wish to take care of. Uh, yeah. And and the balance of those, you know, that's that's the weird paradox, right? Yeah. You yeah. only got the moment, but you gotta, you know, you gotta figure it something out. It's all indeterminate, but yeah. it, it's a good reason. To, to have things, uh, you know, have things in order just yeah, in case. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever read the book by Tish Nhat Hanh, Pieces Every Step? I got to give that to John. Yeah, I, I haven't read it yet one. either, yeah. Really good book. Like, it, it was, like, at a, at one point in my life, it was super crazy and all over the place where I was in my head too much. Somebody had given me it, and it really puts you into, like, just enjoy, like, when you're eating, just thinking about the food. Or when you're doing the dishes, just oh. think about cleaning the dishes. Like, stop letting everything yeah. else overwhelm and take over you. Stop letting and stop. I mean, this is another one of my in my coaster of depression. You know, it's like noticing, okay, alcohol, the obvious one. Podcasts, I hate to say it. Oh. But I love podcasts and yeah. I get information addicted. And yep. I yeah. have moments where if I if I'm going further, if I'm trying to get away from the moment and away from my thought, and I'm like, oh, the moment's gonna be unbearable. And it never actually is. Yeah. Sometimes I'm bored. Sometimes I'm verklempt, whatever. Right. But I, yeah. Yeah, I'm, but I start overdosing on information. Yeah. Too much, too many podcasts, too much humor, too much whatever it is. Yeah. Instead of even listening to, to music is infinitely like, like, but when I go for a run and I don't take my headphones, I have no music. I have like silence 
does it it's so it's it's so delicious and there's yeah. so much in there and i i can tell when i'm in a depressive mm -hmm. trough because i start the habits of like filling up every moment with some kind of noise or some kind yeah. of thought coming. And it's, it's cyclical, man. It keeps going and going and going and going and going. So if you can yeah. fill it up, man, your brain just plays it over and over again. It's it's funny. The other day I was running and my, my uh, headphones died and I got angry for like a second. Cause I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? And then I really just enjoyed, I was so, I was coming back home. So I was already like on the journey back and I was like, Oh, this is actually like, I haven't listened to, birds or like just the road or anything else in like a really long time it was a nice run back it was a nice run back without headphones and i was like why don't i just do this more often it was weird it's so great and there's so much that come out of it too i mean that's the other thing when i listen to too much i i'm not writing anymore there's oh. a point of input that uh that really feeds me and i like to also i mean depending on what i'm enough of a nerd that like I like researching. So I like, if I'm thinking about a concept, I like, Oh to, yeah. Like go into it. But if I'm always just taking in a ton of stuff, then like, instead of running and just being to begin with, and then having songs like things spontaneously emerge out of that yeah. silence. And I agree. If I don't like, have silence, I don't get that. When I'm biking, I have the same thing where like, I swear to God, half of my ideas come up when I'm like riding my bike and I'll have to like, you know, make a note or like, you know, thankfully mm -hmm. that's the coolest thing about like some technology stuff for like it's distracting. But at the same time, if I'm biking, I'm going to be like, take a note or whatever thing of this, but it's great. I go for a bike ride, new ideas, things come to me, people watching as I'm, as I'm passing by everything. And it's, it's, it's awesome to actually kind of get that kind of input. Um, I have a quote that you, that I don't, do you like Vonnegut? Oh God. Yeah. Okay, great. So that's yeah. one of my favorite quotes by him is I urge you to please notice when you're happy or exclaim or murmur or think at some point, if this isn't nice, I don't know what is. I think about that <laughs> all the time. I try to think like oh, when I'm having great. a sandwich with a friend or like, you know, same thing you were saying about a cup of coffee. I have it engraved yeah. on a bag that I used to travel with because I used to think like, how lucky am I to be able to do stand up and to be in, yeah. you know, middle of the country or whatever. But sometimes you get, a no, you know, a hotel something doesn't go your way but i would have that on the duffel bag so i'd get in my hotel room if i was a little like being a little brat about something i'd look at that and i'd be like all right relax <laughs> like great. you're you're on the road you're doing what you love you're in a hotel room you know everything is beautiful and nothing hurts right? yes yeah oh yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah so true man oh uh, that's what book is that from it's from that. um uh uh Oh my God. He wrote a book of essays, uh, that came oh, out in like essays. 2000. Yeah. It was, um, good Lord. It's called man without a I country to read man without, I, I, I think I have that and I haven't read oh, it. So I reread, man, I reread a bunch this year. Oh, <laughs> you, of, of his, my friend and I started a Vonnegut book, book club because we were like, let's go beginning to end, dude, we're going to read them all. And I, we, I have most of them. I think I was missing like a couple random ones yeah. that I didn't even realize until we started like going through them. And then I just bought them. I was like, well, Amazon's yeah, Galapagos. This is a good year. for oh, Galapagos. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. That was, I mean, he's so great. And his, um, did you read his book that came out on writing? I mean, it obviously, I didn't read, I haven't somebody... read any nonfiction. Uh, but oh. I've read just about every novel. There's another great quote of his that I really like too. And I drew a picture, uh, 
to go with it. I want to do something with it, but it's uh, I thought this was great too. And it, and it, I think it lends itself to any entertainer music or, or writer or whatever, but it's, I wanted all things to seem to make some sense so we could all be happy. Yes. Instead of tense. So I made up lies so they'd all fit nice. And I made this sad world a paradise. And I think about that all the time too. Cause I'm like, Is Oh, why like the book of Bokanon? Like yes. first Calypso. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that sticks with me all the time. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh my God. It's I love that you knew that. Calypso. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, I, yeah. Oh yeah. God. I love Vonnegut. There's that documentary that came brilliant. out. I don't know if you saw no. on Hulu. Oh, you got to watch it, man. Really, really on good. Vonnegut. Yep. On Vonnegut. Great. It's a great, it's on, I think it's still on Hulu. It's really, really good. And the guy who, you know, what's cool about it. The guy who made it, um, you could you could tell he had a, like a, a serious level of appreciation for him you know what i mean it took yeah. some time to put together and for it to come out uh and it's a really really nice piece i mean writing it's fun like my writing is generally just there are a few songs where you might be able to tell i like like <laughs> i'm mostly just really earnest and mm -hmm. it's kind of it's my shtick but uh yeah. but, <laughs> but as a person like i i started reading vonnegut in junior high yeah and didn't get half of what was going on and you know reread again in like my early 20s and then came back even in the last i started giving vonnegut books to my daughters and nice. uh you know, and just saying, it's like, oh, these ideas, you know, player, you want to talk about dehumanizing technology, you want oh, to talk, yeah. you know, God, uh, God yeah. bless you, Mr. Rosewater. And, yeah, uh, you know, like, you want to talk about a dehumanizing world, you want to talk about, um, you know, labor fairness, like what we do when we've made people rendered them useless. And how, yeah. how do you like, these books were so ahead of their time. They yes. So, yeah crazily on the mark and and like i loved turning my daughters in the last few years on Vonnegut is such yeah. a pleasure but if finding like in my late 20s i'd never really listened to randy newman and like i got turned on to randy newman and it's like oh my god he's vonnegut in music he's like so true you can do this in songs like yeah. i had no idea that you could write like that that's and, a great point I oh, never, I, I didn't realize, but it, it is one of those things that I, I thought the same thing when I was younger. I did not uh, appreciate Randy Newman as much as I should have. Well, it's weird because you hear some of those songs and if you don't get, I mean, I used to think that Morrissey wasn't like fun, somebody's finally like, no, Morrissey's funny. And then I started <laughs> listening to this again and I'm like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. Right. And, and, <laughs> but he's. He's got his issues. Uh, oh, but, yeah, yeah, totally. But realizing he was funny really changed it. And I, I just remember, like, I don't get this. It didn't yeah. make sense to me. And then I, I started realizing how, how brave and smart and wry and, like, how he would just dig in the night. I mean, even his big problem, right, was songs like Rednecks, which people were taking as a racist anthem. Yes, the very people he was kind of mocking in it and yeah. <laughs> but even in that song he manages to drive you know it's like the last verse right where it's like and using language that no one could ever nobody should listen to that song because we're the the language in it is not allowed anywhere anymore <laughs> yeah but talking about like sticking it to the north sticking it to the south side of you know and like 
you, you're you're listening to the song as a Yankee thinking like, oh, we're so much better than the Southerners oh, yeah. and getting so smug. And then at the end, he's just, no, you're a fucking racist too. Yep. And he just like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> just slams yeah. you in the face with it. And you're like, no, nobody escapes. I know. It's yeah. so good. It's so deft. It is. Uh, it really is. Yeah. I, yeah, I never yeah. thought of it that way, though, either when I was younger. I didn't quite get I feel the same way. Didn't quite get it. Uh, didn't land until much, much later. I don't know why Vonnegut did at the time. I feel like I really understood what I was reading when I was reading it back then. But for some reason, again, the Randy Newman and you're right about Morrissey being funny and all that stuff. I don't know if I absorbed it in the same way. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, Vonnegut is like he almost writes even his sentence structure i mean he's like the opposite of like a, a martin amos or a salmon rushdie right yeah yeah. like there's mm -hmm. nothing chocolatey about his prose right his sentences are really terse i mean he has a great vocabulary mm -hmm. so you know i was learning my vocab words but his writing is really simple and even at yeah. the beginning of a story he tells you everything that's going to happen in the first chapter doesn't tell you exactly <laughs> why but it's like this weird narrative thing like by the way yeah here's what happens right everyone right. dies yeah. Okay. Now we can keep going and tell you <laughs> like the the important details. Like, but there, that, it's almost that's like thing a, too, though, when he does stuff like that, you're like, this has got to be good. He already gave it away. You know, and you just keep <laughs> going through it. You're like, that's a great trick. It's a great trick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, how often do my political views make their way into its music? I, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, once again, political views, it's like, I, I know there are, parts of my political views that are um, really based on my own confirmation bias, my upbringing, you know, I, I used to go, you know, canvassing, you know, my mom has always been deeply politically active, we would go door to door for Democratic candidates, you know, it's like, I re registered uh, green after in, in Clinton's second term, when he started bombing civilians in Iraq, yeah. I was like, fuck you, dude. Right. Uh, and went back to the Democratic Party to vote for Obama because I thought I, I really wanted him to win that election. And so I'm not a strict partisan, but I've been kind of a lifelong liberal. Mm -hmm. And I'm aware that I'm probably blind to certain things, you know? Yeah. Um, so I feel like my political leanings, I don't want to be a partner, uh, partisan, and I feel like there's such a binary attitude towards politics right now, that you're this or you're that. And I, yeah. I don't feel, you know, like I'm just a joiner. Mm -hmm. um, and once again, if I have to choose between the... the <laughs> the incredibly poor choices we yeah. have. You're like, gun to um, my head. Uh... Gun to my head, I'm choosing the Democrats. Like, right. you know, mostly. I, you know, yeah. I'm sure they have to. In the elections I've generally voted in, it tends to be I prefer the, the, their candidates. I like sure. to think I'm more about the candidate than the party. Um, but, you know, so I feel like do my, you know, the. I feel like my morality makes it into everything I write or my outlook you know, makes it into everything I write to some degree. And I'm, once again, I don't, uh, and I'm actively curious about where I'm wrong. You know, before I came on at the very top of this show, you, you were talking about having to buy a shirt at, you know, a thrift store. And I was thinking yeah. of my girls who are like, dad, buying new clothes is immoral. 
it's just wrong. Yeah. There's so much waste. It's so like, why, you know, and if you're buying a technical pair of shoes or something mm -hmm. yeah. and it, you know, I get by, like, but my kids are like new clothes are sinful. Like wow. they're literally killing the earth. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, the poor wages, poor, you know, it's like, don't support that industry. And, and so I think a lot about like, what are the things I'm blind to that, uh, somebody is going to look at me the same way I look at, you know, some old white dude on the golf course, making off color, you know, making racist jokes, mm -hmm. thinking they're hilarious. And I go, dude, history has passed you by. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and my grandkids are going to go, you shopped at Trader Joe's all that plastic <laughs> weight. You bought a fucking plastic wrap yeah. thing. Like you asshole. Right. You killed the coral reefs. How could you have done like some of it? I already know. Yeah. Like, like, by being a part of this society, like, where are my blind spots? What do I decide not to think about? Like, you know, and just, and so, you know, with all of that, I'm sure there are things that I think are moral that are going to be looked at as horrific in the future. Or I yeah. think of, you know, even the people who were, you know, running the Indian schools in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. Where, they were the progressives of the time and they were like, no, 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 kill the Indians, save the man. We got to where their culture is going to go extinct anyway. Put them in right. these schools and take away all their culture. And once they've taken Christ, they're they're <laughs> as worthwhile a soul as any white man. And those were the progressives. Right. right. <laughs> they were really wrong. Right. Right. But yeah. at least they weren't <laughs> saying, no, they're not human beings. Kill them all or enslave them. Right. 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 But I'm sure there are things that I think are really righteous. And so I always, I, I want to have a, a questioning of where I'm blind, where I'm wrong. I like that I have friends who are far to the right of me, yeah. you know, and who, you know, in the earlier talk about, you know, misinformation, whatever, like they're getting me to at least question, you know, am I just taking everything I'm taking in about, you know, COVID in this situation and like, what's propaganda, what's not propaganda? Sure. Am I, how much of it am I following blindly because it fits my narrative? And how much of it, right. am I actually really, it's getting me to question just as I'm asking them to question their sources and mm -hmm. to question how much of it fits their narrative. I mean, of course I'm right, but, <laughs> but it's getting me to question my, <laughs> but it causes me to ask more good questions about yes. like what I take for granted. And I never want to lose that because I am afraid I walk around terrified that there are things that I think I'm right about that I'm actually just dead wrong. on. Oh, yeah. You should always have your bullshit checked. You know what I mean? Always and and if you're bullshit. not prepared to have it, you know, you know, it's crazy. I, 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 I do like there's some part of Internet discourse that I find useful even as a writer. You know what I mean? Because if I post something that I feel really strongly about, whether it's political or whether it's something going on in the news, and I'm too, if I'm too afraid to have it contested, then I don't belong having that opinion or posting yeah. it or sharing it publicly. And when people do and I engage in it, you know, it's kind of funny because people are like, why are you engaged? Well, sometimes I like to engage as long as it's sometimes it doesn't stay civil. But when it does stay civil, I appreciate it because I'm like, fuck, this guy actually has a legitimate, you know, a, a good comeback yeah. or a good point. But then I go, now I got to look at it further. And the reason it causes me to go deeper into it is because somebody has a contrasting point of view and I don't know, they made a good point and I have to figure it out. And I think that's how you either solidify your response 
or realize it's held, you know, it's like Jenga. You're like, oh, yeah. this is really held together pretty shabbily. And it's because of, like you said, your, your kind of um, and point of view, you know? Yeah, I asked in, in trying to confront my prejudices at, at, during the Trump era and mm. during, during lockdown, I at some point was like, hey, if there's any conservatives left, <laughs> I want to talk to you about like how you see the world and ask you, I don't have a lot of super conservatives. I have like a lot of libertarians in my circle <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we can have big talks about everything, right. but not like straight out like Trump supporter. Like, and I'm like, I'm trying to understand because from my perspective, like I, I don't get it. Yeah. And, and had a few conversations and some of them were really interesting and really great. And some of them at the end of it, it's like, Oh no, you're actually just really privileged and racist and you right. see it as that you see it as that's the shape of the world. But actually from my point of view, I'm no closer to you because you just said a few things that really revealed something to me. And it wasn't everybody. It was mm -hmm. a handful where it was just like, Oh, we've reached this axiomatic difference where what we think is the baseline of of fact or truth like where we're not finding common ground and it's a yeah. funny thing because like with my old band a lot of people thought we were christians mm -hmm. um it's used a lot of christian imagery in songs and um you know i went to camp young judea as a kid my dad took me to the zen priory for meditation courses like <laughs> gave me idris shah books on sufism like that was my spiritual upbringing and right. so um and and so I ended up, you know, when Toad was out, ending up having dozens and dozens of great friendships and conversations with people who are evangelical Christians who were surprised to find out that I, but learned how to talk with people on the right in what I thought was like, oh, let's find our common ground. Like we want fair play. We want, you know, you know, it's like, what do you want? Yeah. You want your kids to be safe. You want less crime. You want, you want fair play. Everybody wants an, a system that they think is equal where you yeah. do your day's work and you're, you know, paid fairly for it. And somebody's not ripping you off on the side and we have different narratives on who's ripping off who. Yeah. But we all want a fair and equitable society. Mostly. Agreed. Yeah. And, yeah. and I found those conversations that get harder and harder to come to that common ground that part i can get to but the basic facts of what the threats are or what the perceived threats are those those are getting wild they're more divergent and really hard to find common absolutely ground and it's because yeah. of you know everybody find it's because we're we're a very bizarrely fractured society and it's and social media does yeah <laughs> <laughs> we have the group on one side who just loves murder podcasts and that's it and they want to absorb it which i got into a little too deeply too uh <laughs> but you know and then but it is it's so true it's like oh my god everybody's fractured and has their weird conspiracy theories and shit it's weird we all want to get to the same place we just now think there's a million different ways to get there and some of them are batshit crazy and you're like well I don't know if I can help you. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to find methods of having conversation because I want to get these people. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, there's differences. Like, I feel yeah. like, you know, old school Republicans, I, I mean, in, in the same way that, you know, you know, Big Lebowski, right? Say what you want about the <laughs> of national socialism. At least it's an ethos. Right. <laughs> Fucking nihilists. And I feel like there's this thing with Trumpism where, like, I can't find my way into the the logic of it, like no. what I would have to believe to believe that. And I felt like 
you know, kind of Reagan Republicans, Bush Republicans, whatever, like that I could get through a conversation into a mind game of understanding the the cognitive, okay, if you believe this, this, that, then this makes sense to me. I can understand that position. And I've just really had difficulty being able to do the mind exercise of the belief system because the yeah. belief system seems incoherent to me. Yep. And so, but I actually want to be able to do that because these are good people. Like I, I actually believe that most people are, you know, Anne Frank. <laughs> right. And, and, and right. so I'm trying to figure out how, how these, um, you know, where is, I don't know, just how it can work. Like, cause then I can be less reactive. I can be more useful in the world if I'm able to talk to all these people who I'm supposed to not be able to talk to anymore. Agreed. I, I, I feel really the same way. To find the tools. Yeah. yeah, connection is important and, and understanding and communication. I always I like communication no matter what it is. Like, I, I mean, you know, I talk, you know, we both do it in some, you know, in different forms or whatever, but that's it. That's how we get to know people. That's how we break down barriers. That's how we do that kind mm -hmm. of stuff is through communication. But it does get like sometimes it's cathartic because I was doing a show at the improv in DC and somebody in the audience, this is like in the middle of Trump's presidency, and they actually just admitted at one point where she was we were talking about it she's like i voted for trump she was from texas and then she was like but my whole company did we did it as like a literal group and i was like well then you know why and she's like and she's like i regret it she's like we did it for the money our company was going to get a huge tax break and we thought this guy was going to be good for business and we were wrong and he's not and that blew me you know it blew me away because i was just like holy shit like i didn't even know you could have that because again this was in like the very middle i guess of his presidency so no yeah. one was admitting shit at this point. Like it wasn't even that there was blood in the water and he was maybe going to lose or hadn't done anything, you know, at, super as crazy, super crazy, yeah, which is hard to really pin down. But I was going to say he hadn't done anything super crazy. Yet, and then I was like, God, that's a really wide spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I could say that sentence out loud. Once again, it just normalized a degree of behavior that would have been sure. the end of any other and I think a lot of people also just liked if you think if you think that everything is um, falling apart, you know, I think there were people who are all like yeah. wanting a vandal in there. And oh, yeah. It's like, yes, he's an asshole. Yeah. And no. And, and he lies all the time. But I know he's lying all the time. And I like it's trans like I want it all to burn down. That yeah. is like the one thing that I can actually get. Oh, yeah. yeah. Supporting Trump is like I want it all to burn down. Yep. Oh, people, I know people who that did makes it sense to me. Yeah. But he's, but Jesus sent him to save us all. That, yes. I, like, I'm, no. Exactly. <laughs> Don't understand that, but I understand people voting for him out of spite. Like, oh, really? Okay. Well, now we'll see. Now you'll get what you deserve. And you're like, wow. All good. Yeah. yeah. That totally makes sense. Checks out completely. <laughs> Maybe Jesus is an anarchist. So he knew what he was doing. <laughs> hey, Jesus, he kind of was. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> to shake the system. Absolutely. Oh man. Um, do we have any more questions from the audience? Actually yeah, we... just say, did I just hear Glenn say his old band? I might have. We're not young anymore. <laughs> <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> you got that Paul Rudd thing going on though, too, though. I mean, you're kind of ageless. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the adrenochrome, you know. It's you... It's... <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it's Sorry. you, Paul Rudd, Rhett Miller. Uh, who the hell else is young forever? Hey, you put me in with Rhett. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's a handsome man. 
I don't know. I, I'm lucky. I got a decent metabolism. I figure uh, it's, I have the eye bags are where it shows. And yeah. then I'm just going to, you know, I, I don't know. I'll turn to sand in like eight years. It'll go quick. <laughs> sand is a pretty cool way to go. Not going to lie. You get to be glass is. one day. Gonna, oh, if the fires go. keep up, you'll get to be glass and it's beautiful. How fun. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, oh, fun. Thank you. My old band. I don't know. It's, I, I, did I say my old band? I, I may have. Yeah, you may have. We've been together, you know, since I was what fifteen. So wow. yeah, my old band. Yeah, oh, I don't have a new band, but no. Do you want to tell us anymore? Do you want to get to the big three? Yeah, let's give them the big questions. three. We'll give them yeah. the big three. All right, you ready for this? Okay. Big three questions. This is how we wrap up every show. Raise right. yourself. Um, favorite color? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, <laughs> imagine they were like the easiest questions in the world. Um, if you if you can go back in time and talk to your younger self, give yourself a piece of advice that would help you today, what would it be? Oh, be way more grateful all the time. Nice. Like, like I I got set up early to. I had easy success early in life, mm-hmm. and it took me a long time to to like get over that. And wow. uh, and so. Yeah, more more gratitude and yes, even though it's all fake and it's all gonna crash, still put your money in the stock market. <laughs> Perfect. Um, second question is, what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? Um, a lot had to end. I, I mean, I think the, the biggest and hardest thing that ended was my family as it was, was my kids, like there were, my kids getting older, like there's a part of me and I know there were places where like, you know, my, my, my first wife and I like where we were, we were really compatible as friends and and good people and got together early. And, you know, there were ways in which we weren't matched that were Mm -hmm. difficult throughout, but, uh, losing like that sense of home that I thought I would never lose. And that time when my kids were really young and, like, and I realize people are capable of abandoning their children or not paying attention to them or these things, but I sure. loved being a father of younger kids. I just loved it. It was the best. Mm. And I loved that when they got older, we were the house their friends would come to. Like, I loved that home Yeah. and the swirl of it and the, just how much love was in there and how much difference and music and it was just the best place. And yeah. And losing that, and and once again, David White talking about right, you know, you know, grief is love plus time, right? In mm-hmm. whatever way, yeah. the the inevitable consequence of loving things deeply, right? Right. Yeah. Not my kids growing away and moving out. My you know my marriage ending, and it ended nonviolently, and I'm no longer in that like, and it took so much for me to accept, and I kept to accept that those weren't going to be the happiest days of my life and that I could choose to be as happy as that in different ways. And I could, and even that it didn't, that it could just be different. And even recently to see like how fucking amazing my kids are, how inspiring they are, how much I love them, how much I'm happy with them, how much the way the family is changing. And even in the last months, just, you know, my daughter's working at a restaurant and, you know, uh, my fiance and I, you know, we went to dinner with my my ex at the restaurant my daughter's cooking at. Oh, know, nice! And just thinking, 
I still have a family. I still have a fucking family and it's beautiful. It's different. And, and my niece is, you know, just turned five and my girls are going to have kids and like life is continuing. And I've been the guy who's been like holding on to what it used to be and unable to let what it's become come in and yeah. let that difference be okay. And like, I'm finally going like, this is great actually. Yeah. And, and that my family's different now. And then mm -hmm. it's great. It's it, it, and and I was holding on to that time so fiercely that I couldn't let what was actually happening in. So wow, that was a long answer. No, that's great. Answer. That was really good. That was a great answer. Uh, <laughs> oh wow, I could have known it's written to surrender. That's yeah, a, that's a lyric. Yeah, yeah. that's great. That's <laughs> Cast a good off your coat and shiver in the weather. Yeah, like you know, we spend a lot of time. I, I mean, I think one of the worst things about I don't know, worst thing, the hardest things about you know uh, this culture is that we're so comfortable, mm -hmm. and we kind of have the, the mythos of the you know the idea of this is that you acquire enough and then you're done, and it's so hard to fight that idea. Of right, you're supposed to get 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 get, and store it enough to last you the rest, and then go dormant and go into a retirement, which is, uh, you know, not not really lit, you know, it's just being entertained for the rest of your life. Sure. And one of the things I love about being an artist is there's no choice there. Like you're going to die working. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause you have to, it's yep. like, and so, you know, the, the, like, it's like the Rilke, uh, you know, letters to a young poet. It's like, why are you, why are you doing this? Do you have to, do you wake up each day knowing that there is nothing else in your life and that you would sacrifice any, like, yep. And, yeah. and so that uh that surrender and to not seek comfort but to seek presence you know mm. i talk about this with yoga it's one of the things i love about yoga is that it had taught me and other things that i don't talk about publicly taught me how to <laughs> gain uh gain happiness by being uncomfortable and gain happiness by being in presence at my edge and you know i you know talked before about it in the live cast I do, but like there's something about Warrior Three where if you're not paying attention, you're gonna fall over. Yeah. Like it takes everything you have in terms of and strength. And there's always a way to go into it deeper. It right. Takes all your balance, all your attention and all your strength at any given moment to do that. And you're in the present and it's really, really hard and it's gleeful to have a moment where no matter how hard it is, you're not anywhere else. Like those are yeah. the best. And for me, the flow state of singing can get me there. You know, the best thing on stage, another thing I've said before, is not like having the spotlight on you and having everybody see you. Mm -hmm. It's that you disappear into the song and you're not even there anymore. Right. And That's I'm great, assuming man. as a comedian, the flow state, the best moments are where you have no idea what's fucking coming out of your mouth. Absolutely. But you're riding a wave of energy yep. and your intelligence and your capacity is honed enough. You're, you know, the tool of your mind and your craft is good enough that you can disappear into it. Yeah, man. And it's just letting it go through you. It has nothing to do with you. Absolutely. You just get out of the way and then it happens. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that keeps you going back to do it again and again and again, especially what do you find when you were younger and you were performing and you get into those states, even though maybe you wouldn't hit it. Cause when I was doing stand up, you know, it was like hit and miss, you know what I mean? You're, you're figuring it out in real time, but 
I would have those sets that were just like you described, where you would lose mm -hmm. yourself in the audience in the moment in creative process all at once when you're on stage. And then you'd get off and you'd be like, I don't know what that was, but I want it. I need it to happen again. And that was beautiful. And then you chase it. And that's what used to keep you going. Still keeps mm -hmm. me going. Yeah. I remember and the first time some... I was on stage and that was it. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is all like I for the very for a long time when I was like struggling to figure it out and figure myself out and find my voice. I had a, oddly enough, very few it happens a few stand ups where your first set's great. And then like as best as you can be at that time, but it go like oddly well and then immediately bombed yeah. like the next day. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is horribly painful and I should drive into traffic. But like yeah. I, I for the longest time I was like, oh, I remember how good I felt that first night. I would like to do that again. And then you just try to get yeah. as good as you can. And and it's a weird I, I'm like comedy, man. I, I just the great thing with being a musician is that you can do a little bit of stand up and then if you bomb, you just play a song and you, you reset. It's like boop, reset, reset. <laughs> And then, that's so great. And then you can try again, and like you're not like if you're a comedian, that's like all you got is your next joke, and you're like, yep. ah, digging down. Oh yeah, and yeah, that's always fun. It's so much easier to like we can we can play funny, but we always have a fallback. It's yeah. <laughs> I never thought of that. That's pretty great. Oh, uh, now I'm really jealous. I was jealous of musicians beforehand because I, you know, I think every stand-up secretly wants to be in a band or have a T you know, somebody behind them or, or some kind of instrument to play. It's, we always, we talk about it. I wish I could play something. I have a, an, a banjo hanging on my wall. It's beautiful there. It's where it's going to stay. Uh, uh -huh. cause I suck. Um, but yeah, I wish I could do it. Like I'm like, I love all the guitars behind you right now. Like but that's it's like, that it's there. I love playing them. I, yeah. I, I'm who am I thinking? I'm thinking and, and musical comedy is just such a weird, like Stephen Lynch is great. You know, Stephen Lynch. I don't think I do know. So oh, he's a great. Oh my God. He's probably one of my favorite like musical comedians. Okay. Like I he was, he had him. a comedy central special when I was in like God, high school, I think or whatever. But he was, he was funny because I remember him talking about it where he's like, I can't believe I have a comedy central presents. I don't really consider myself a stand. Like he's not a traditional standup, but he wrote, yeah. wrote these hilariously funny songs. He could actually sing. He did the uh, wedding singer when they were on Broadway. Like they picked him oh. to do the Adam Sandler role. Tell me his name again. Stephen Lynch. Stephen Stephen Lynch, I'll find him. Like yeah, for me, so like I want to like more musical comedy than I do. Mm -hmm. I, I like Bo Burnham, but I love Flight of the Concord. Oh like, God, so it, good! Yeah. It's just the, the show song, them so brilliant. Everything about it is so insanely good. Yes, and yeah. and I hear a lot of musical comedy. I'm like it's cute, but but their songs, like everything about it, was just brilliant and layered and hilarious and just really good songs yeah yeah that's, yeah that's lyrically great it's just really good and Bob yeah Bob, i think he has that too like yeah probably yeah, yeah i know what you mean i feel the same way something I think in he's... the flavor of flight of the concords though is like uh, the pinnacle for me i've just never heard since tom lair there has not been better yeah oh yeah. that's a great endorsement holy shit hey um we yeah so Second question. I'm that was the second question. Hey, you knocked no, out no, no. That was it. That was it. And we got the third okay. one, which is a ridiculous fun question. It's my favorite question because yeah. it ties into the show. If this was a genuine dystopia, even worse than we're in now, if this was a genuine dystopia, aliens, zombies, or, you know, comet, whatever it is, what would be your uh -huh. epic death? How would you want to go out? Oh, what would be my epic death? 
I mean... And keep in mind, this is how our artist is going to draw you on the cover of the podcast episode. So, <laughs> okay, hmm. I'm, I'm, uh, I am, I am unsure. I, I mean, I, we're talking the good, bloody, visceral, not like yeah, goof, whatever, however you want, whatever go you out. want. There's yeah. no, no limitations in this. For instance, if you want, I'll give you an example. If you want an example, yeah, please. Sure. So Colin Mockery was on, and he said. And I quote, um, I would like an alien race to need my sperm enough to where they make love to me until I'm a husk. And I was just like, wow, great. And so we we drew him in bed holding an alien, cuddling after clearly after sex, which is how I, he would have wanted it. I am trying to think it's I, I dated a, a woman for a while who whose honest answer to how would you want to die? She said eaten by a shark just like or a lion <laughs> like. She'd want to go out struggling against a beast more powerful than herself and feel every bit. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I am such a no. I, I, I just I want to yeah. go in my mind. I want to have like, you know, whatever great little five MEO experience as I'm kind of Ooh. expanding into the all like, you know, just just nice easy tell everybody i i love them before i go make sure that everything's taken care of like i don't yeah. want a dramatic death so um i'm simultaneous like trying to think of what would be the most entertaining to draw and <laughs> and then realistically going i don't want anything that's actually going to be that painful yeah uh, <laughs> uh cause I, I i don't i don't want to die with great pain um hmm I already in have an the, image of you. Apocalypse. Yeah, I already have an image of you now with as just like like a head, just your head, saying "I love you," and then what's coming out of it is probably a little bit of everything, a little bit of joy, a little bit of uh, alien stuff, a little bit of whatever's going on because it's all inside your head. Yeah, I would Maybe like you... to. I would like to die in in a spiritual ecstasy of becoming. Ooh. Uh, just, just, just float into the all and the infinite seamlessly. Nice. Kind of like powder when powder transcends like his physical being and you just dissipate. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. why like my favorite my favorite song of the last two years is is No Hard Feelings by by the Avid Brothers. And oh, uh, love that my song. body won't hold me anymore. And it finally sets me free when 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 the sun hangs low in the West and the light in my chest won't be kept at bay any longer. That's you know? great. And, and yeah. So um so I guess if we're going to get into uh, it's an apocalypse and and we're going to talk aliens since we've gone the alien route and they're mm -hmm. doing all those, you know, it's the end of a Marvel movie where everybody's just got like <laughs> special effects coming out of their hands. And it's like blue, the blue special effect versus the green special effect. And, you know, the special effects are fighting it out. Right, right. So I just want to have. I want to have found a relic that would then it, like that I would somehow have like, you know, I pick it up and it goes and transforms me into a, a fighter on one of the alien sides and everybody Ooh. is undergoing similar transformations and my special effect is pouring out of me and their special effect comes in and some part of my internal consciousness is going, this is the end of the world. I just... I'm going to surrender myself to peace. I'm not going to die in, in violence and confrontation. And I will welcome their energy into, into me as I put my energy out there. But my energy is going to be love. And I will be consumed 
in in a ferocity of love nice and, uh and just kind of cease to exist but and the other one you know i don't think it'll be like yeah i got him but then i'll go like <laughs> I don't want to think I was, you know, was he really the enemy? I don't know right. if he was the enemy. Yeah. I think he was just that. another part uh, of, of this beautiful universe. Another part of me. There was nice. no separation between us. Oh, that's <laughs> great. That's deep. That's the deepest answer we've ever had. I think so. No, yeah, it's, just, it's just, it's just fluffery. <laughs> I just want the picture of my I, I, yeah. I like that. That's awesome. We'll do that. Awesome. Okay. Uh, thank you. Happen. Yeah. Just working Dude, on it. This has been amazing. Thank you so, so much for coming on, man. It's been a blast. Thank you. I hope you had it's a good been time. Such a pleasure. I had a great time. And now I'm going to go eat a salad. Oh, nice. I'm nice. going to go eat too. I don't know what I'm going to eat, but a salad sounds okay. pretty good. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I like they the happy say, food I, dance. Told they saved some for me. Oh, fantastic. I like food a lot. Oh, me yeah. too. Absolutely. I enjoy it. I'm plant-based yeah. right now. So it's, so it's, I'm in a weird quasi state that I'm like, I'm just trying to nice. find the best of strictly the plant-based world. Hey man, the plant-based is great. My, uh, my fiance, uh, you know, she's, she eats, she's basically like vegan plus occasional fish. That's the one. Animal vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, vegetarian, yeah. But, and, and we have the farmer's market in town is great. And so we just oh. like, and I like to cook, and so I cook what we can eat when her when her son's around. Like he, you know, sometimes my my girl works at the grass fed organic meat stand at the oh. farmers market, like local and as sustainable as that gets. So bring that home. But so we eat mostly vegetables at home, and it's great. Nice, yeah. Like it's I think there's a thing of like people serve vegetarian food as if everything should be a meat substitute. And like keeping the mindset of like, you know, that the main dish is always meat or if it's not, then you need a tofu cutlet or a, and, and there's like, uh, I, I don't know, vegetarian food gets a bad rap. It does. I, I actually think Agreed. Anthony Bourdain was right about that, that like there's this, it's anti-meat as opposed to being pro-vegetable. And yeah. when you go pro-vegetable, it's, it's on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so actually, it's... my wife's birthday is coming up. We always do a three-star Michelin, like as a nice night out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and 11, Ma 11 Madison Park just turned They've gone all plant-based. Plant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I'm super Have excited. That's the fun. one this year. Please get back to me and let me know how it is. I'm curious. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Like> saying fiance. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun word it's to say. Good, it's a great word to say. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah, I know the plant. I was doing plant based for a little bit and then fell off the wagon. And then, but I mostly I tried to avoid eating, uh, you know, any kind of like pork, any kind of you know shit like that, as if I'm doing some some. Assalamualaikum, John. Yeah, well, uh, God bless you. And uh, uh, <laughs> no, I know, but like it is weird. I love the I like did I did the fish thing too. I did the the plant, and then I would be like, oh my god, I forget that fish were like actually, I don't know why. In my brain, I'm like they're not real meat. <laughs> they're just living in the ocean it's kurt cobain yeah <laughs> they don't have any feelings yeah exactly it's okay <laughs> <laughs> oh that got me that's oh, great man uh dude well thanks so much dude i really yes, appreciate it again, yeah man. absolutely take care enjoy of your salad definitely look forward to hanging <laughs> soon have a great yeah one. all right peace man thanks night Dystopia tonight.